We walk by faith and not by sight, so I don't go by my feelings. But it's good to have some feelings. If somebody said, Brother Venable, are you one of those emotional preachers? Just hang out and you'll find out. Can you say amen? Yes, I am. He hath made me glad. Glad is as as an emotion. Uh, you have emotion too, by the way. If somebody cuts you off in traffic, you will show that emotion. Amen. But my emotions are not governed just by my flesh and my circumstance. It's governed by what's going on in my spirit. And the Bible said in Psalms chapter 4, uh, it simply said, He hath made me glad more than in the time that their corn and their wine did increase. I'm going to tell you, if somebody, uh, how many of you ever watched a quiz show? Uh, it's not a quick question. Now, you're not carnal for watching a quiz show. Uh, and how many have watched where people got excited over a Maytag washer or a new refrigerator? And if it's a new car, forget about it. They just go bananas. Can you say amen? And it's okay. What do you think would happen in the city of Tampa? Now, the lightning have done us proud. They're, they're, in, you know, they're, they're going right on up, and I hope they win it all because got, somebody's got to make up for the Buccaneers. Amen? They just have to. We need a winning team somehow. It's laughable, isn't it? I mean, it, it, you've got to be tough to be a Bucks fan. But what if the Bucks did go all the way to the Super Bowl again? What, what, and what if they won the Super Bowl again? What do you think would happen in the city of Tampa? <laughs> I think you'd see a lot of emotion. Can you say, man? So this idea of not being emotional as a Christian and not showing the joy of Jesus is, is, is only relegated to church. <laughs> Out in the world, people show their emotion all the time. And if He makes you glad, then that emotion should be emoted. It should come forth. Amen. The Bible said to serve the Lord with that emotion and that attitude of heart. Serve the Lord with gladness all ye lands. Praise God. But the gladness that the psalmist was talking about supersedes the gladness when everything goes your way and everything goes right and, and your crops are bumper crops and you get a big harvest from them and a lot of money comes in. He said, He has made me glad more than in the time that their corn and their wine did increase. Praise God. Amen. Well, that's an important part of your Christian walk today in mine. I, 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 I told some stories that I didn't finish, and I'm not going to start the whole story again, but I'm going to tell you why that I tell stories that happened to me or things that happened out in the public where the, my gladness uh, is important part of my witness. How many, how many were lost before you got saved again? See, I worked for Tampa Electric for... Five years while I was bivocational, I left Tampa Electric to become a full-time minister of the gospel. I'm in my 42nd year of pastoral ministry in the city of Tampa, this particular ministry. Amen. 42 years is what we're working on right now. That's a long time. Amen. And, and I worked uh, bivocational for a while uh, in a production plant. And everybody went out on the weekend and they partied hardy. I'll say one thing about the world. When they serve the devil, they serve him well. Amen. 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 They serve him well. They go out to have fun. They don't go out to be sad. They go out, amen, to, to do whatever they do. And they come in hungover. 
That was the thing that happened at Tampa Electric when I was on a line crew. The linemen all came in hung over. They had drank. They had partied. They were hard working, hard living, hard driving. And they come in with a hangover. And they were hard to work with because they were hung over. There was times I came in hung over from the Sunday morning service and the Sunday evening service. Back to back praise and worship and shouting and preaching and, and and they used to wrestle at the armory they used to hold wrestling message at at remember the old armory i remember james brown came there one time and held a james and the flames that was dusty roads and all of those old geezers uh, now that wrestled at the armory I, I remember uh, uh, during that time coming into a Circle K or 7-Eleven. Then there wasn't no Circle K. It was a 7-Eleven or a Little General. I remember going in and ordering a big gulp, or getting a big gulp, and, and, and she said, How are you today, sir? And I said, I'm fine, thank you. I'm fine, thank you. Because I had preached, I had prayed, I had worshipped, and I was hoarse. My voice was kind of gone from all of that. I'm fine, thank you. And she said, I know where you were last night. And I thought, you do? You do? She said, yeah, you were at the wrestling match. Because two of the big rivals had been at a bigly, highly publicized wrestling match. And she figured I was at the wrestling match because I was hoarse. I must have been there and hollered myself hoarse. I was at some sports event hollering myself hoarse. And you should have seen the disappointment and saw her face drop when I said, you're very wrong. I was at church. That just put a damper on everything. It's okay to go to a sports event and go absolutely crazy. But if you get excited about Jesus, if you get excited, if you joy in God through Jesus Christ, then you're one of those. Yeah, you must be a holy roller. You're one of them Bible-thumping, fire-and-brimstone, holy-rolling whatevers. Amen. Keep your religion private. Don't let it get out of the stained glass and the stonework and the steeples. Keep it hid and keep it to yourself. Don't publicly confess that you're a worshiper of the living God. Can you say amen? And whatever you do, don't let it get out that it's fun. We belong to the noisy group. Well, we get noisy sometimes, and we do not apologize for it. <laughs> when you're in a church that you can, you can hear a pin drop through the whole service, and the worship is just, just about as quiet as the preaching, and there's no emotion, and there's no, no enjoying of God. The, 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 the writer of old said, Though the fig tree shall not blossom, though there no, be no fruit upon the vine, and no cattle in the stall, these are hard times. He said, But I will joy in my God, and I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. And the result of that kind of praise, by faith, in those kind of circumstances, that kind of confidence in God, even though everything is going bad at the moment. But he knew that if you keep your trust in God, it's not going to stay that way. That circumstance is going to change. Amen. And it's going to change because God is faithful and because you have faith in His faithfulness. 
He said, though the fig tree shall not blossom, there be no fruit upon the vine, there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation, and He will change not immediately the circumstance. First thing He's going to do is change the person in the circumstance. He will change me. He wants to change you. Everybody believes that faith is like microwaves. We want it instant. We pray we want it. We, we don't want the pressure. We don't want the pressure. We don't want the problem. We don't want to discover the grace that's sufficient. We want out of the situation. Everybody say escape. I love that word. It means I don't have to go through. And people read this Scripture wrong. Let me quote it from the New Testament. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that, that you are able to escape. No, 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 wait. That you are able to bear. Bear? 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 Let me quote it in its entirety. The way of escape is the grace to bear it initially. Before the circumstance changes, He'd like to change us through the circumstance. Wow. Boy, I'm going to have to pump for amens this morning. I'd love to come out here and tell you, you're not going to have to go through anything because you're a Christian. You're a sheltered little sheep in God's fold and, and you're His pet. And He's just holding you up here in His arms and, and, and you're not going to go through anything. But you are going to go through things. The Scripture actually said, not before, but after you have suffered for a while, if need be, He shall establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. Isn't that incredible? How something so strong grows out of something that weakens you and makes you so dependent on Him. Not before, but after. And I don't mean, listen, this, let me give you a scripture. 1 Peter 4, and begin with verse 1. For as much as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, not in the spirit or the mind or the soul, not tormented by fear, not defeated by the enemy, but for as much as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. Arm yourself with the same mind. Well, the he that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no more live his life to the will of the flesh, but to the will of God. Can you say amen? Isn't that an incredible verse of Scripture? I went to preach at a at a men's meeting. I had a men's meeting sermon prepared. It was at the a Baptist church, actually, in Plant City. And they asked me to come for pastor's appreciation. I preached at pastor's appreciation. It went very smooth and very wonderful. I read from the Old Covenant. 
book of Jeremiah, I believe it is, and it said, I will give you pastors after my own heart, and they will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Pastor got blessed, the church got blessed, and I thought, boy, this is just going to be another blessed day, going to be another blessed time. This is a men's meeting. David was called a man after God's own heart. We're going to find out what it means to be. Oh, I had such a sermon prepared. But when I got there, as I've told you before, it wasn't just men. The ladies had decided to come to the men's meeting. And so there was actually more women than there were men in the men's meeting. And that's not really all that unusual these days. Amen. (laughs) But at any rate, we had ladies and men. So we had a representation of the church, not just a portion or a part of the church. And I opened my Bible and began to, to read about David being a man after God's own heart. And had it all planned out, and it was going to be so good. And I ended up in just what I'm reading you today. For as much as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself with the same mind. For he that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no more live his life to the will of the flesh, but to the will of God. Amen. Paul said, after you have suffered for a while, suffered for a while, suffered for a while, Bear up, bear it after you have suffered for a while. After, see, we're not good at suffering well. Come on, we don't want to bear it. No temptation. Temptation takes two forms. One is the temptation to do wrong, to sin, and to do evil. The other is the testings. It's all under the heading of temptation. The testings that are going to come. Jesus said, in this world, how many are still in this world? Almost all of you. We always have a few aliens here. Can you say amen? Let's try that again. How many are still living in this world? You're in this world. In this world. This fallen world. In this world. And how many know that you live in a faulty body? How many know that if you don't know it, you're going to find out? You're going to age. I look at these young fellows right here. And I thought, if I could trade bodies with these guys just one day, amen. Boy, I, I, we'd have a gun show right here. <laughs> I tell you, I'd get arrested by the highway patrol for having two big guns in my front seat. Amen. It was just, it's different kind of guns. You know what I'm talking about. Amen. Suffering. Is not part of the vocabulary of the modern day Christian because if we suffer, we think that we're going to be defeated and we're going to be depressed. Jesus wasn't defeated, Jesus wasn't depressed, but he went through that suffering in the flesh. And you know where it occurred before the cross? It occurred in a garden called the Garden of Gethsemane. In that garden, he prayed, Father, Abba, Father, if there's any other way, any other way to obtain salvation for these helpless, hopeless, fallen men and women, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not what I will, but thy will be done, that he no more live his life to the will of the flesh, but to the will of God. If Jesus could have 
saved us in another way. Or salvation could occur in another way. He would not have went to the cross. He would not have suffered what he suffered. And the worst suffering was not even the pain and the pangs of crucifixion. The worst suffering was when he cried, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which being interpreted as my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In Pilate's hall, he had absolute courage and strength. Everybody forsook him, but he said, my father is with me. But on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He didn't die the death of someone that was just given grace and given strength by the presence of God with him. He died as if he was a sinner, though he had never sinned. He died without the comfort. He died without the peace. He died without the consolation. He suffered and died without all those things that God promises you and me, no matter what we face. And I went through a serious stroke just a Two or three years ago, I don't, I've lost count. It's been so long. But laying in the floor and having God's peace is so priceless. It's so wonderful. It's so powerful. I, Sister Ruth asked me, said, Brother Rumble, do you think you have the gift of faith? Well, I, I think at times that operates. But without the gift of faith at all, I do have faith. Plain, old, vanilla, simple, significant Faith in God. Because God has shown Himself faithful over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And when that peace comes, then the circumstance is not the immediate focus of your faith. God changing the circumstance. When He starts changing you, the circumstance can wait and He can work in His timing, perfect what He wants to perfect in you and work it out and bring you through. And you'll be patient. The Bible said to be followers of them who through faith and patience. Well, Brother Venable, which one is most important? Faith or patience? Well, they, you've got to have both of them for either one of them to work well. Amen. Faith and patience. Yes. You say, Brother Rimmel, I've got a lot of patience. I have no faith. You can't have patience unless you're trusting God. Amen. Well, I've got, I got faith, but I don't have any patience. Well, then your faith isn't going to work very well because you're going to give in and give up. You're not going to wait upon the Lord. How do you know if I'm waiting on the Lord? Because they that wait upon the Lord will mount up. They'll, with wings as eagles, they'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and they will not faint. Amen. 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 God is faithful. God is faithful. And what came over me because I was by myself when I fell in the middle of the kitchen floor. Bumped my head on the, on the tiles and... And there was nobody there initially. My son, who has, lives in a garage apartment, he heard 6 o'clock in the morning a big bang over there. And he said, what's Dad doing? What's going on over there? And believe me, he stays up late and he don't get up early. And I just believe God woke him up because he was the first on the scene to help me. My wife is sound asleep. I tried not to wake her. But there I am in the floor. And I'm alone. And I'm in trouble. 
and I can't move. My arm is completely dead here. My body from the waist down is dead. My legs don't work, and it affected my voice. My voice was not working. I could barely speak, and this side of my face had drooped because all the muscles were now just relaxed from the stroke. And here I am. I'm a, I, I used to be a gym rat. I'm not used to being helpless. I'm going to tell you. I'm little. I'm short, but I'm wiry. Amen. I used to work out with uh, uh, at the same gym that uh, uh, world-class bodybuilders, and I, I know it. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing, but they, they motivated me. World-class power lifters. I worked out with a lady named Lisa. And Lisa had just come back from the Netherlands and she was in a powerlifting contest over there. And, and she was so ripped and muscular that they had to give her a DNA test to prove she was a woman. I mean, there's other ways to prove that without DNA. You would think... But this is a crazy day we're living. They had to give her... She was ripped. And she would sit at the desk when the owner of the gym was out. And people would come in and and, uh, say, Who do I speak to about joining? And I'd say, You'll have to go talk to Lisa. And they'd look at her in one of those muscle shirts with with big old arms and traps. And she was a power-lifting woman. I thought, Oh, Lord, if she ever put on a dress... And come out of the mall, and somebody wanted to steal her purse, you wouldn't have to call the popo. You'd have to call the ambulance, can you say, man? They said, Lisa? I said, yes. They said, no. I said, yes. And she was just as sweet as she could be. She was strong. That woman was strong. I worked out in, in, in I, I, and they would encourage me. And I got pretty strong for a little guy. They used to call me the power preacher. <laughs> Amen. And they used to, they named me Preacher Bob. They said, come on, Preacher Bob. You can do it. Come on, Preacher Bob. One more rep. I didn't go in there to do one more rep. I went in there so my buttons wouldn't fly off my coat while I was preaching. You know, they, they get under duress right here. I was 212, 215 pounds, five foot six and a half with my shoes on. And there wasn't no muscle either. The doctor had diagnosed me. He said, you're suffering from a severe case of cornbread consumption. Resulting in severe abdominal protrusion. Can you say, man? And I was. I remember when I first started working out, my son, he, he looked at me. I was looking at one of these bodybuilding magazines to get some nutrition points from it. Of course, they had the pictures of these guys on there. And I, was, I had worked out for about six weeks, and I was standing in front of a mirror. In six weeks, you can't, you can't do a whole lot in six weeks, to be honest. Amen. There's no quick fix for this. You can, and I, I was looking in the mirror. My son come in. He's about five years old, Matthew. He looked at that book. He was sitting there looking at the book while I was looking to see if I was making any progress. And he said, Daddy, why don't you have some of these? And he was pointing to all those big old muscles those bodybuilders have. I said, son, give me that magazine and go play. <laughs> Amen. I need encouragement. I don't need nobody. I, 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 I think if you would have, would have said what I was when I started, I was a, I was a macho Pillsbury Doughboy. Amen. If there is such a thing. 
But I got strong. And I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you, if you stay around people like that, that motivate you like that and push you like that, and you get on a diet and you eat tuna fish until your wife won't give you sugar, can you say amen? <laughs> and peanut butter and only broiled fish and broiled chicken, uh, you can make some changes and some changes begin to occur in me. And I got strong and I depended on that strength until the stroke came. I didn't rest properly. I didn't commit to God things that He said to commit to Him. He didn't fail me. I failed to trust Him with things that I was carrying. And I ended up in the middle of a floor with a stroke. No high blood pressure. Stress-related stroke. And I realized that I was taking my burden to the Lord, but I wasn't leaving it there. Amen? Amen. I picked it up again. I carried it again. I love 1 Peter 5 and verse 7. Cast your burden. And I can tell every Sunday morning who's doing this. Because some of you haven't come to the place of faith and trust and commitment in your life that you're willing to do this. I hope you get there soon. Remember that song, Oh, the Peace... We often forfeit, and oh, the needless pain we bear. I want you to sing for me again. I want you to sing for me again. Amen. Yes, ma'am. Be prepared. Just be prepared at any... Just bring your music and be ready, Allison. Be ready, sister. Hallelujah. Leave it there. Oh, the peace we often forfeit. Oh, the needless pain we bear. All because what? We do not carry everything. It's not just the praying. It's the committing to God when you pray. And when you're done praying, after you've given it to the Lord, in all things with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto the Lord with thanksgiving. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and your mind. Amen. Everybody knows where your mind is? Point at it. Now we found our belly and our mind so far today. We're doing good. We're doing good. Praise God. Listen to me carefully. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. First Peter 5, 7 says, Cast your burden upon casting your care upon the Lord, for He careth for you. Casting your care upon the Lord, for He careth for you. I love the Amplified. It says casting all of your care, the whole of your anxiety, once and for all upon the Lord. For He cares for you, and He watches over you affectionately. You know what the cares of this life does according to Jesus? It chokes the Word. Your focus is on that that's causing such worry and anxiety. It chokes the Word and causes it to become unfruitful in your life. It chokes the Word. I preach to people with minds somewhere else. I preach to people who are thinking about your problem. And while I'm presenting the solution... Your focus is not on Him. It's on it or it's on them. It's on the circumstance. 
Amen. But God is faithful. God is faithful. I haven't called in in 42 years. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying God is faithful. I haven't called in sick. That's why when I was in the floor like that, this is highly unusual for me. Because I, 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 was, I was healthy. I've never spent a day in a hospital. I was dying of cancer of the blood when I was eight years old. And God healed me. And from that day till the day I was in the floor on my back with a stroke, I didn't have a health problem. I never called in one Sunday in 40. In fact, after I had the stroke, where was I Sunday? Right here. The first thing that Doug asked me, do you want a chair? <laughs> Amen. I tell you, get here in the presence of God. I don't need to sit. You'd have to strap me in a chair. Just like this man. He's from, his family goes back to Sicily. If you tied his hands, he couldn't talk. See, I told you, he's from the Italian band. What's the matter, you? What's the matter, you? He can't lift his hands. What would he do? I can't preach and stand still. I like to move around. Something is live inside of me. Hard to sit down. Charles Stanley hurt his ankle and sit down. His church liked him sitting down so much. They said, "Won't you just stay seated and just and he'll walk around a little and he sit down at the table and, and speak from the table." I thought about that. I thought, well, if he can, Jesus sat down and taught them. Can you say, man? I could sit down and teach them. But I wouldn't be able to stay down. <laughs> Amen. Because God's going to jump up on the inside of me and I can't stay sitting down when He jumps up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm serious about this. This is not something I put on for Sunday. This is real inside my heart, inside my life. Hallelujah. But I was strong and I leaned and depended on my strength. But when you're helpless in the middle of the floor, you can't lean on your strength no more. My guns couldn't help me. You heard about the lady, didn't you, that the highway patrol stopped because she had a taillight out and he saw a National Rifle Association sticker on her car. She was 82 years old. National NRA sticker on her car. He said, ma'am, you wonder why I stopped you? He said, she said, yes, I was wondering why. I said, well, I got a, you got a taillight out. And uh, said, uh, I'm just going to ask you this. Can I see your license, registration? Yes. He said, oh, I see you got a license to carry. Do you have any weapons in your car? She said, yes, sir, I do. She said, I got a 357 Magnum under my seat. I got a 40 caliber Glock in my purse. And I got a 38 snub nose in my glove compartment. He said, ma'am, that's an awful lot of weapons. What are you afraid of? She said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> when it says arm, you go ahead, Allison. It's okay. They get cornier if you hang out long enough. Amen. Arm yourself. Can you imagine arming yourself with a mindset that says no matter what, 
I face, God will bring me through. And when I get through, I will be better and not worse for it. I will be stronger and not weakened by it. This test will turn to a testimony if I keep my faith in God. Can you say amen? For He is going to change me in the midst of this circumstance. Hallelujah. Praise God. He will... Though the fig tree shall not blossom, though there be no fruit upon the vine, no cattle in the stall, <laughs> yet I will joy in the God of my salvation. I will rejoice in my God and joy in the God of my salvation. For He will make my feet like hind's feet. Hallelujah. And I will make progress, not be stymied and stand still upon my high places of testing and responsibility. Ever seen a mountain goat? Don't try to chase him up that mountain. He can go from... He, he lives in those high places. Praise God. And I believe God wants His people, His church, to live in those high places. I believe He wants to make our feet like the feet of that, that mountain goat, that deer that lives in the high places. He wants to change you. He wants to change me. So arm yourself. Arm yourself with the same mind that Christ had. For he that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no more live his life to the will of the flesh, but to the will of God. You say, Brother Venable, you're a Christian. You have faith in God. Why did you have a stroke? Because I simply wasn't trusting Him. Not for healing, but trusting Him with my problems and pressures. They couldn't find out why the stroke occurred. But I went to an eye doctor for my eye. And he's a, he's a, a guy that takes... Well, he's just a... He's a not, not just your regular eye doctor. He's the one that does these surgeries and all of these ophthalmologists. And he was looking for the, I told him about the stroke. And he was looking for the result of the stroke. My wife and I went together because the reason she was at an ophthalmologist is because an optometrist had found something on the back of her eye that could become cancerous. And he had already seen it. And she was back to have it looked at again to see if it was changing or growing. We had prayed over her. Amen. He declared her healed and well. And he declared a miracle because he said these things don't go away. Once they get in there, they either grow or they grow slowly, but they don't go away. And it was gone. The thing that don't go away was gone, confirming that God is faithful. Can you say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. I love it when the doctor confirms it. Amen. We got a lot. The world don't believe it, and a lot of the church don't believe it anymore. But God is still faithful. He's still on the throne. And if it were not for that problem there and that test, there would not be this testimony. Hallelujah. But there's a testimony because through the testings, God has proven Himself faithful to those who trust Him. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Love to brag on the Lord. So here's this guy that hasn't called in a Sunday and all of these. It's a long, four decades is a long time. Brother, remember, do you ever get a cold? Yeah. you ever get the flu? I'm sure I've had it. I went to a clinic one time because it got so bad. I had prayed. Nothing had yet happened. But I was sitting on the table and a male nurse came in and 
he walked over to me and said, uh, taking my personal information, he said, Sir, do you smoke? And I said, No. He said, Sir, do you drink? I said, No. And he stopped right then and put the pad down. He said, You don't have any fun, do you? You don't have it. Can't you? See, that's why I make a point of smiling. Because there's so many Christians who don't. And so many people in the world that think you can't have fun unless you're either drunk or token or smoking or doing something else. Amen. There, there's joy. He, I will joy in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Can you say amen? I want the world to know that I serve a great God. I serve a good God. I serve a faithful God. Hallelujah. I serve a God that said He would never leave me, never forsake me, but that He would go with me all the way through everything. I serve a God who is with me in the middle of the floor by myself, but I was alone, but not alone. That peace that passes understanding. Just You want to know what's going to happen when you get into some circumstance? Amen. You're near, near heaven, near home. If, you're, if Christ is your Savior, God is your Father, that peace is going to come on you. Everybody say Corey Ten Boom. Remember that story of Corey Ten Boom? Her grandfather harbored Jews during the Holocaust. She used to ask her grandfather, a devout Christian. She said, Granddaddy, I'm a Christian. She was maybe 12 years old. She said, I'm a Christian. But I'm afraid of dying. And they were getting ready to take a trip to visit relatives. Back then, you didn't get your ticket online. You went down to the train station. You went up to the ticket counter. And you bought the ticket the day that you're going to travel, just before the train was ready to leave. And he told her, he said, Corey, he said, when that time comes, God is going to provide the peace and God is going to provide the grace sufficient. And he said, Corey, when we take our trip to visit our relatives, he said, when do we get our ticket? She said, when we're ready to get on the train. Can you say amen? You may be sitting here today say, Brother Bumble, I just don't think I would have what you have. Well, you're not going to have it until you're in the middle of the floor all by yourself. But when you are, you're going to find out something about God. That He's faithful. His grace is sufficient. And you don't have to be afraid of nothing. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. That peace is priceless. That peace is so powerful. There's a faith message out there that takes you out of everything. You don't have to go through anything. You are not armed for living in this world. You are not prepared for the temptations, the test, and the fear that is going to come. Can you say, man? Arm yourself with this mind. Praise God. Amen. Listen, if God hadn't brought me through that, I couldn't give testimony to His faithfulness today. How many's ever heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? What do you relate that to? Why are they so famous? Did they not have any problems and, and, and live in opulence and retire to the islands? Is that what made them famous? What made them famous? They threw them in a fiery furnace and they didn't burn up. Amen. You'd have never heard of them if they didn't throw them in that fire. You know what the Bible says? Think it not strange 
the fiery trial that has come to try you as some strange thing has happened unto you. But, <laughs> hallelujah, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that, that you are able to bear, enabled by His grace, enabled by His strength, enabled by His mercy, by the manifest presence of God. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that, that you are enabled to bear, who will, with the temptation, make a way of escape. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love escape. See that exit sign? There's a door right there. Me and this man, if a, if a lion come in that front door, me and this man going to have a time because we're going to wrestle and see which first one out that door. Amen. We're going to wrestle, brother. I love you, but we're going we to wrestle. Just let me go on first and you can run right behind me. Can you say amen? I want the escape route. Come on, you do too. That's why you got all those tapes at home. That's why you bought that book. That's why you watch that preacher on television. He's telling you to develop your faith to this high level. You won't have to go through anything. The Bible said you're not armed for this fallen world. You're not ready for the tests that are going to come to you. And I want you to arm yourself with the mind that was in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Your flesh is going to feel it. Trouble's going to come in this world. How many is just still in this world? You shall have tribulation. Thelpsis is the Greek. Anguish and pressure. I thought it would lighten up. I thought it would become less. It's still around. The older you grow, <laughs> the worse it gets. It just layers in on you. I'm not expecting a smooth road. I'm just praying for heavy-duty shock absorbers. Can you say, man? There are no smooth roads. There are no smooth... Yes, heavy-duty shock absorbers. Because... It's a bumpy road. It's a lumpy road. It's a straight gate in a narrow way. But it leads to eternal life. And it's worth it. In this world you shall have tribulation. This fallen world. But be of good cheer. Cheer up. Knowing it's coming, but cheer up. I have overcome the world. And I said I would never leave you. And I would never forsake you. I will go with you all the way. Even to the end of the age. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I learned more about God and His faithfulness and His grace in the middle of the floor. A man that was a pitcher of health who did not have what everybody else got. My resistance was good to everything but stress. Everything but inordinate worry. And that's what I carried. But I couldn't carry it in my strength anymore. I had to commit myself, my wife, my children, my ministry, everything to Christ. And the peace of God that passes all understanding kept my mind, kept my heart. The amazing thing was, laying in the back of the meat wagon, that's an ambulance for you city folk. Can you say amen? I'd never been in an ambulance. I didn't expect to ride nothing like that until I was going home and my old body being put to rest. But to hear that siren going and hear them talking, we have a 60-something-year-old man here 
and he has all the symptoms of stroke. So they were giving them the alert that when I got there to treat, treat me with a serious stroke. But when I got there, in the emergency room, they took my blood pressure. And I'm going to tell you, I, my, I'm not one of these people that just blows everything off and nothing bothers me. There's a lot of things bother me. You know, like going to the dentist. Should be a sign on the wall that says, I, I'm not afraid, I'm just extremely alert. What was that? What was that? What was that? I used to go to Isidore Yankum. Yeah. Little bag said, I Yankum. Uh, anyway. That's getting more a little thin, isn't it, Sean? Even for me. We talk about suffering, we draw back. He that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. You get dependent on the flesh. The flesh will not lead you into those areas of rebellion and sin. First thing I did in the middle of the floor was not cry out for deliverance, not even cry out for help. The first thing I was prompted to pray by the Holy Spirit who is with me, somebody in my family circle that we had had a serious issue. Have you ever had a serious issue with some? I mean a serious issue. And after it, I had apologized. I had forgiven as far as I know. As far as I know, I don't need that altar now. I don't need that cleansing now. I don't need repentance now. I have already taken care of that. But God knows if you really did or if something was still clinging in there. And in the middle of the floor, needing help, the Holy Spirit wanted to get everything out of the way so that help could come to me. And instead of saying, help me, Jesus, deliver me, Lord, you know what's the first thing I prayed? Father, it was so, and I felt the sweetness of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I forgive and I called them by name. And from that day to this, though I know an event occurred, as far as I am concerned, I do not have any ill will. I bear no grudge. It doesn't make me upset to think about what occurred because real, genuine forgiveness has taken place. But what it did, it opened the door, amen, for, the, for God to help me. If you don't forgive men their trespasses, your Father in heaven won't forgive you your trespasses. But the moment you forgive, it opens the door for His grace, His mercy, and His forgiveness. Can you, if you say you have no sin, if you think you're in a position you never need to repent, you never need an altar, particularly those of you that are gifted and have some wisdom in the Word, you're in more danger than the person here that's struggling with sin and knows it. Because what you're saying without verbalizing it is, I have no sin. I never need an altar. I never need to repent. I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't drink. I don't chew. And I don't go with the girls that do. I'm sanctified. <laughs> what did the Bible say? Yeah, First John said, no, you're a liar is what you are. That's it. We've got to get honest with God. 
What's holding back revival in churches is all of these things that God knows is wrong that we're not willing to deal with unless He gets us in some place. Did He give you a stroke to get you to do that? No. But since I was down in the floor, He's going to seize that opportunity. I'm, this, man is, this man can't depend on His anointing. Now, this man can't depend on His calling. This man can't depend on anything but me. And being right with me is the key to everything that he needs. Can you say amen? Amen. See, down there, it's not what you think about me. You may not think highly of me. It doesn't matter. When I need help from God, your, your like or your dislike is immaterial. It's not between me and you and him. It's between me and Him. Can you say amen? You may think I've got all faith and God knows that I don't. You may think that I'm special. I am not. Amen. God loves all of us as if there's only one of us today. Hallelujah. And God is no respecter of persons. He loves you today. And after you've suffered for a while, He will strengthen, establish, and settle you. I'm so glad to declare... There was a song some years ago about knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. And I used to wonder what, what it would be like when you get right down to the wire. But I'm not wondering anymore. Because I know that that peace is real. And I know it's worth more than anything or anyone in this entire world. I've been in sick rooms. I have ushered many people into... I had a man waiting for me. I was working out at the gym, and I got a call. A man is dying, and he's waiting for you. I thought, why would you wait for me? Because he needed that assurance to let go. Taking a step and wondering where you're going to go and what's going to happen. said, he's waiting for you. And I jumped in my car, and I had on, I had on a, sweat, a, sweat, a sweatshirt and tennis shoes and sweatpants. And I jumped in my car, grabbed my Bible out of my glove compartment or the seat, and we drove to that house. And I went inside in my sweat clothes, and that guy was there. And, and we had prayed the sinner's prayer together. We prayed it again. And then the peace of God came in that room. The peace of God came over me. Peace of God came over his family. And the peace of God came over him. And within five minutes, Sean, he just let it go. Went into the presence of God. My wife was with a lady whose mother-in-law was passing. The lady was asking her questions. She attended our church. She said, what, what happens at the moment that a Christian draws their last breath? And my wife was explaining to her about angels coming to usher. And while she was telling her that, she said, the, the angel of the Lord entered that room. The peace of God filled that place and those persons in that place. And the lady just went sweetly into the presence of the Lord. I'm telling you something today. We can build church. We can put steeples on it, stained glass. We can do all the trappings of religion. But that peace and that presence, when you need it the most, amen, without that, this is just religious organizations and religious 
junk, to put it plainly. The presence of God is what we're after here today. Hallelujah. He can, you can not only go behind the veil because it is rent, He can come from behind the veil and manifest His presence to you. He couldn't do that until the veil was rent. He could not come to David when David was running for his life. David longed to get near the temple because the presence of God was behind the veil. And he said, if I can just get in proximity to His presence, I'll be comforted. As the heart pants after the water brooks, so my soul panteth after Thee, O God. I thirst for the living God. And the only thing He could do in the Old Covenant is get near the temple where He knew God's presence was behind the veil. And He couldn't go behind the veil. And God didn't come from behind the veil. But in the new covenant, the veil was rent from top to bottom. Not only can we come into God's presence, but when you need Him, God can come to you anywhere that you are. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm going to declare to you, not just because of the Holy Scripture alone, but where I have walked, in the valleys that I have walked, He will come to you. And my blood pressure... I went to apply for work. I was bivocational for five years, six years. And I went to apply for work. And they had to check your blood pressure. It had to fall into a certain... Because they don't want you croaking on them at the job and the insurance and all of that. Can you say... Man, you know what croak means, don't you? The little kid asked his grandpa. said, Grandpa, little brother and sister, five and six years old, Grandpa, Grandpa, can you make a noise like a frog? He said, I suppose I can. Why? Because they lived out on a farm and these kids were visiting from the city. Because said, Dad said, when you croak, we can get a pony. It's that kind of croak. I'm just applying for a job. There's pressure in that. Whether you're going to get it, if you need it, there's some pressure involved. You're in a doctor's office. Pressure. And so the doctor came out, took my blood pressure. It was high. It was way up there. He said, you really need this job, don't you? I said, yes, sir, I do. But at the time, I really needed that income. He said, well, why don't you go in that room, lay down on that bed, stretch out, and I'm going to come back in a little while. We'll check it again. And I just stretched out, put my mind on the goodness of God instead of the pressures, he came back in, blood pressure had come down. Within about 10 or 15 minutes, the blood pressure had come down. Here's the glorious thing about the peace of God when it comes on. There I am, riding in the back of an ambulance. There I am in a hospital, and it's me this time. If visiting you don't raise my blood pressure, but when it's me in there, it's different. <laughs> and they're taking my blood pressure, and it ought to be sky high. Because of all the stress and pressure and wondering you're going to live, you're going to die, you're going to end up paralyzed. What's going to happen to you? What is happening to you? And my blood pressure was 100% normal. Man, I used to spike my blood pressure lifting weights until capillaries would bust in my eyes. And when all that blood settled in one side of my eye, I thought, boy, I had a good workout today. I have since changed my mind about all of that. Can you say, man, I don't bust no capillaries no more to try to lift that weight that they were encouraging me to lift. In fact, I don't want to carry the weight of my problems 
or anybody else's. I love you. But if you want me to get down in that hole with you and worry, I can't do that. If you want me to throw you a rope, I'll throw you one. Can you say amen? I'll, I'll help you. Me and God, we'll try to pull you out. Amen? But I can't get down in it. Some of you here wonder, can I trust God? The devil will fight you, tell you you don't have enough faith, tell you that you are unqualified, that you are not worthy. I want you to just absolutely commit yourself to arm yourself. And in the midst of arming yourself with going through whatever you have to face, amen, arm yourself with faith in His faithfulness no matter what happens. Can you say amen? Because He is faithful. And He keeps His covenant of love to a thousand generations. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And He will see you through. He will see you through. He will see you through. He has no stepchildren. He has no favorites. Praise God. He loves all of us as if there was only one of us today. So I'm going to challenge you this morning. Though the fig tree shall... There will be dry times in your life. There will be some tough times in your life. Though the fig tree shall not blossom. See, the prosperity movement that is just health and wealth and no problems in life does not address the reality of living in a fallen world. There's going to be some good times down here. And there's going to be some tough times down here. And when you really need your faith is in those tough times. Hallelujah. And God wants a people, listen, in the military sense, He wants us to endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. You can't quit God and can't give up on God when the going gets tough and the answer is delayed. God's delay is not necessarily His denial. You need to hold on just a little while longer. Don't give up on God because God will never give up on you. Can you, can you agree with that today? Hallelujah. 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 Well, we'll close with this scripture. I didn't get you out like I said I would, but I'm working on it. Isaiah 59 and verse 19 says, When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. And until you and I come to the place that we are totally dependent on God's protection, God's provision, God's support, God's faithfulness, God's grace, we're ill-equipped to face the real trials of life. It's flooding in Texas. It said there are trees that have been there for over a hundred years that have been just torn down and carried away as if they never existed. A flood is, is a powerful, powerful thing. And when the enemy comes in like a flood and threatens to just take away the house and the foundation and everything with it, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Can you say man? Glory to God. I'm so glad to have that kind of a God. That kind of a Lord. 
senda da barite kolobo sanda da basataya hallelujah hallelujah when you are weak when your faith is shaken i will not leave you I will not run from you. I will run to you, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The rest of that verse in Isaiah 59 says, it identifies the standard. Because it says, for a Redeemer shall come. To Zion. How many know his name? Jesus Christ. A redeemer shall come to Zion. I will raise up a standard. Believe me, the day that Jesus set foot on this planet, all hell shook and shuddered. Because there's not a demon in hell that doubts him. Can you say, man, they know exactly who he is? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. How many people in this room want to come to a place in your faith? That you will allow God to be God in your life. That if He doesn't take you from your circumstance immediately, you are confident that He's going to take you through. You want to come to that place in your faith? It's faith in His faithfulness. Your faith doesn't have to be big to receive from Him when it's in His faithfulness. It's not the size of your faith. It's the might of your God, the grace of your God. It's the love He has for you right now, right where you are. And if you had faith, how big? As a grain of mustard seed. Anybody ever seen one? If you saw one, you probably saw it through a concave lens that magnified it because it's so tiny. But if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, You could say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and if you doubt not in your heart that what you say is going to come to pass, you will have what you say. Can you say, man, not because you said it, but because of His faithfulness to watch over His Word. And your faith is in that faithfulness. Can you say, man, and that faithfulness is not going to fail you today. And when you get down to a point in your life where it's you can't do anything for yourself anymore, every one of you here today, Hear me clearly as we close. Everyone here today that has arrived somewhere and you consider yourself at that place. And some of you clearly do. When a man says, Behold, I stand. Look at me. He better take heed lest he fall. Amen? You better watch out. How are the mighty fallen? When that pride enters in, I've arrived. I don't need the cleansing. I don't need to search my heart. I don't need to search my soul. 
Everybody else has got the issues, but I'm okay. I'm justified in not forgiving. Look what they've done to me. Honey, please, don't be like the ox or the mule that has to be turned about with the bit and bridle. Get in the presence of God. Get real with Him. Get right with Him. And be like that 82-year-old woman in that car. You don't have to be afraid of anything. Can you say man? <laughs> Hallelujah. Somebody give him a praise offering today. You don't have to fear anything. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 How many has ever wondered where God was when you were going through testing? Have you ever wondered, where are you, Lord, and why? How many has ever asked why? It's okay. Both of those. God's big enough to handle our doubts and our fears. He just wants to bring us close to Himself. Cover us with His feathers. Take us through our circumstances. Turn our tests into testimonies. And bring glory and honor to His great and glorious name. Hallelujah. Would you bow your heads just for a moment? Is there anyone here today say, Pastor Venable, I don't know Christ as my Savior. I've never accepted Him. If I drew my last breath today, I do not know with assurance where I would spend eternity. You need to get it settled before you leave this room today. Anyone in this room say, Preacher, I want to know the person that you're talking about and I want to have the peace that He's granting to those who trust Him. I need this in my life. I need that blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Anyone in this room, you need Christ. You want to know Him. You want to know that you know Him. You want to live your life with all of its uncertainties, with a certainty of His faithfulness, His goodness, His mercy to you. Hallelujah. Anyone in this room? Second question. Anybody in this room feels there's room in your life for more openness, more honesty in dealing with God to where we do not hide behind tongues, prophecies, revelations. We come before Him as a flesh and blood man or woman that has all of the fallacies of living in a fallen world in a faulty body and we are in desperate need for God's grace, God's mercy, and God's help. It will help you to be kind in the way you deal with others who have issues. Get the beam out of your eye. You can see more clearly and be more compassionate when you deal with the moat that is in someone else's. Raise your hand if you want that today. If you want to be open and honest before God. See, what's holding back revival is not how sinful the world is. Where sin doth abound, His grace does hyperabound, superabound. What's holding back revival is God's people who see no need for personal repentance. Judgment doesn't begin in Atlantic City or Las Vegas, Nevada or San Francisco, California. It doesn't begin in the gambling houses or the whorehouses. You know where it begins? It begins where the light is and where God shines it Sunday after Sunday. It begins in the house of God. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? 
Hallelujah. God is dealing with so many hearts right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is love reaching out to you. Hallelujah. Father, we praise you. 